It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm James Erpine. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast on a Tuesday. Great to be with you on Twitter at James Rapine at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and every single podcast posted at LockedOnBengals.com. We got a lot to get to today with Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. And then we're going to dive into our AFC North previews the rest of the week. Tomorrow, we'll have a Ravens reporter on. And then Thursday, we'll do Pittsburgh, Friday, the Browns, and honestly, I think the Browns are the most interesting of the three, maybe the most interesting team in the division, certainly one of the more interesting teams in the league. And that doesn't mean best. That doesn't mean they're going to be good. But I think the Cleveland Browns, the 2018 version, mighty, mighty interesting. We will do that this week here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. But I have to welcome in Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. And uh, Joe, I want to start with just general thoughts about this team. Yesterday, I, I talked about it. And I got some pushback. By the way, thanks. Shout out to everyone who's emailed me, James Erpina at ESPN1530.com. Also, you could tweet me as well. Uh, keep those coming because I'm either going to do a post or a recap podcast early next week with your thoughts and opinions on them. And I want to get as many opinions in as I can because you matter. You're the listener. And uh, so feedback, uh, your thoughts on the 2018 Bengals, certainly appreciated. But, Joe, I can't get my – a beat on this team, a read on this team. I was really optimistic about this team last year, and I got burned. And this year, I see the same coach, and I see the same quarterback. I see what Vegas is saying. I see what a lot of national pundits are saying, and I'm lukewarm on them, right? It, it, they're lukewarm at best on the Bengals. But then I see John Ross is healthy, and Joe Mixon is healthy, and we're talking about a new offense, and uh, they've made changes on the offensive line, and that should be better. And it just seems like this team could be good on paper. I see them winning, if they stay healthy, 10-11 games. Worst case, I see them winning five or six games. I can't really get a read on how this team is going to be this season. So I'll ask you, how good will the 2018 Bengals be? Hmm. That is a tough question. (laughs) See? so many layers. (laughs) That's right. You're right. It's You know, they bring back Marvin Lewis. Um, It's still the same quarterback, even though the quarterback room may have even gotten worse and falling behind the division, so you don't feel good about those two things, two important things, right? Um, you feel that potentially they could be better coordinated on both sides, and even if not, big upgrades, at least um, positioned and guys in better you know, positions to succeed, you would at least hope under Laser and, and Terrell Austin. I think the, the ideas that those guys are at least saying publicly are what I think meshes with the strengths and weaknesses of this team and roster. So I think potentially they can get better there. 
Uh, I think they've had two good draft classes in a row, and that usually leads to good things when they built this team and, you know, and really had their chances in 13, 14, and 15. It's on the backs of back-to-back-to-back-to-back draft classes that really stood out. Um, So they could be on that path. That's definitely uh, a possibility. And I think the defense could be very, very good behind a good pass rushing unit, a deep defensive line, and potentially an elite player in William Jackson. And I do like the depth and, and talent and speed at linebacker. So it could be really good. I think it could be, it could be a typical Marvin Lewis run team that is 10 and 6 and is good enough to excite but bad enough to disappoint. But I think also it could be a different team because I think this defense could be Mike Zimmer type, you know, top 10 defense that really carries an offense that isn't complete but has talented players. And if, it, if, if that's the case, I think that could be a different formula than what they've had in the past. Yeah, it's it's just I I hope you're right, and I felt good. That's the thing is over the past two drafts, I felt good about what they've done. And usually, you're you're talking about year two, year three. That's when you see development. Well, I'm I'm with you on the defense. I think if there's one thing that I kind of bank on defensively, it's that William Jackson, Carl Lawson, that some of these young guys are going to continue to ascend and be mainstays for the Bengals for years to come. And that doesn't mention the, the Geno Atkinses and the Carlos Dunlaps, et cetera, that are on this team that have contributed for years. So I guess if there's one, obviously, side of the ball that, that I expect them to be, like I would be stunned if they're not in the top half of the league defensively, and I kind of expect them to be a top 10 defense. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that should be the expectation. Um, I don't think, you know, just because of two bad years in a row where they didn't make the playoffs, I don't think the expectations change much, right? I, I still think for this team to be considered successful, it's not going nine and seven. It's not just getting a wild card berth. It's having a good enough team to make some noise in the playoffs and potentially win the thing. So the standards are still high for this roster, and I think if it's going to play out, it's it's probably because this defense is really, really good. It can't just be okay. It can't be that you can continue to pick on one corner. Mainly it was Drake Kirkpatrick last year. It can't be that the safeties aren't making plays again because they didn't last year. It can't be that the linebackers are still put in position where they cannot cover. And I think a lot of that was Paul Gunther's defense and then playing conservative on defense. And it can't be that, man, there's no nose tackle that can really stop the run. There's no fourth pass rusher in that nickel unit that really scares anybody that really can consistently cause pressure. It's going to have to be that most of these things pan out and this defense is pretty good. And I think they've added talent at every position. And, you know, if even if half those guys pan out, yeah, I think that's fair to say that this defense could potentially not only carry the team, but be a top 10 unit. Joe Goodberry of the athletic is with us. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and the offense, look, the, the offense was dreadful last year. I just think back, and honestly, I, I thought about going back and listening to some of our, our film reviews that we did. It was just so painful to watch, and I didn't want to do that to my ears again. But it was painful at times last year on offense, and I think it will be better. The question for me is how much. It doesn't seem like Vegas is really buying into this team. It doesn't seem like a lot of national analysts are buying into this team. And yet here locally, I know you're in Buffalo, but you have your – uh, thumb on, on the beat of the Bengals and, and obviously everything that happens here locally, you, you get an idea of locally. It seems like we're higher on their off season moves than national pundits were than Vegas was obviously as a whole, just 
off-season wise? How do you think they did? You know, I think a few of those reasons are um, I don't think nationally people realize where the Bengals really struggled last year. And it's partly the Bengals' fault because they continue to start players that really don't do much for them, uh, especially on offense, but it's been the case on the defensive side too also. And I, I think of like Russell Boating. If you're, if you're a national analyst or a writer, you may say, this guy started four years. I mean, I'm, I'm here in Buffalo. I heard this, all this by Bill fans and analysts and, you know, people that brought me on to talk about him. Um, they would say, well, he started four years. Can't be that bad. And I'm like, no, he, he was terrible actually. And just hopefully even a rookie and, and, and Billy Price, even if he's just okay as a rookie, he's potentially better. And that changes your offense drastically. And, um, I don't think people realize how bad Cedric Abwehi has been at left tackle or right tackle. And, I, and even if Cordy Glenn is only healthy for 10 games, you're going to get a drastic improvement in those 10 games. Now, of course, we hope he's healthy all 16 because the Bengals really have been banking on health. Um, but then I also will go to Brandon LaFell, and the team continues to play him and play him more than any receiver. He's taken more snaps or receiver than anybody over the last two years, even A.J. Green. And so from the outside, you may say, He's solid. Yeah, he might be, but he's not what they need. He's not what's going to get them over the hump. So if it's John Ross, and I would say national guys don't know who Josh Malone maybe it's Joe And if one of those guys plays or even just gets on the field, it, it changes the offense. So um, I'm surprised by how many people have forgotten how good Tyler Eifert can be when healthy. Uh, even fans, talking to a lot of fans that, that say, you know, he's washed up or and that may be the case. But when he is healthy, a dynamic player on your offense. It's a dynamic weapon. He changes the coverage to A.J. Green. He changes the run game because the extra safety is worried about him. Um, so, yeah, I think for, from our perspective, it could be turned around very quickly. I think Laser can help Dalton. I think Laser did help Dalton in a lot of ways last year, and I hope I can write about it since I get done with this top 50 that's taken all my time. But um, <laughs> Joe Mixon could be the wild card. Joe Mixon could be the one that changes the face of the offense completely. And I almost expect it to happen. And the way a lot of people close to the Bengals have talked about it recently, especially as fantasy projections are starting up, fantasy drafts, you see a lot of people asking, where should I take Nixon? I think he's like projected on most to have under 1,000 yards, but like 950, 980 yards uh, rushing and like 350 receiving yards. And I look at it and I go, he could shatter that easy. Uh, and I think a lot of people and analysts and, and Bengals guys say, there's a chance he like, you know, to get 300 and something touches, and that's rushing and receiving, and, and really lead this offense to the to the next wave, the next future, the next generation. And if that happens, it would be a, uh, it would be completely different for this offense. It, even when running behind, and they they've had success with Rudy Johnson, with Cedric Benson, with um, even Ben Jarvis Brunellis and Jeremy Hill, they've had good rushing years. They never had a dynamic runner and receiver the way Mixon is. Uh, that'll it'll change it. It'll if he was Le'Veon Bell, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts this offseason, if he's Le'Veon Bell, and some people believe he is or can be or will be very soon, that obviously puts you in, in the Bengals in a different light, and you think of this offense much differently. And that check down for Andy Dalton on a lot of these plays where he's tasked to scramble or find a secondary receiver, and he's not good at that. And instead it's Joe Mixon underneath. You feel a lot better about a lot of these routine plays that they struggle with. And – it could happen. 
it could happen. This is anything I just said there is not out of the realm of possibility because all the players I, I talked about are former first rounders or high draft picks like, like Cody Glenn and, and Joe Mixon that were high second rounders that are supremely talented to the guys around them. It could happen. It's conceivable that this offense explodes. Yeah, I, and I hope it does. Joe Goodberry of the Athletic with us. I can see it, and that's that's the thing. I'm trying not to let last year. And me being so high as a fa- like because I, if you remember, and I know you were high on it as well, but I like I was freaking sky high. I said that they they should average thirty points a game. Like it, it just sounds so silly now, but they fell flat on their face. And I think maybe because I went all in last year, got burned, that now I'm at the you know the the deal the blackjack table and the dealers there, and it's favorable for me. And now's the time to go in and make that bold prediction. And instead, I'm like, hey, I got burned the last time. I don't want to. So I don't know. I, because that's the thing is I like everything they've done. I like Cordy Glenn. I think Billy Price, I didn't really like the value at the time, but Billy Price is certainly an upgrade. And they took the 12th overall pick and got a starting left tackle and center out of it. Makes sense. Uh, John Ross, I'm as high on him as anyone. I, I look at Joe Mixon. I think he could be, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if he put his stamp on the AFC North as the. Maybe not this year because of Le'Veon Bell, but long-term was just the the bell cow of the AFC North for the next five years. He just feels that way, and I know the Bengals feel that way about him. Uh, and yet I still find myself wondering if they can reach their full potential. And we, we have this mixed bag of things that needs to go right, and all of these things need to go right. And if they do, they're 11-5. and five. And if all of them go wrong, I could see them being 6-10 and 10, or in that realm of, of record-wise. It'll, odds are, Joe, is it fair to say that it'll be right in the middle? Some will go right. Maybe John right, Ross explodes and Joe Mixon is good. And yet, on the other side, maybe the defense takes a step back and we don't realize it. And Vontez Burfitt comes in after four, a four-game suspension and he's out of shape for the next four weeks because, let's be honest, the last time I saw Vontez Burfitt, he was really out of shape. And the defense is underwhelming. Like, I could just see there's so many what-ifs that I feel like even if they get really good answers on half of them. This team just goes eight and eight. They don't get to 11 and five or 10 and six. And that's part of your hesitation. I think this year and part of mine also is that all those things you said, we said could happen last year. It it was conceivable that Jake Fisher, a guy I like still like won that job at right tackle and played well last year. I thought that could definitely happen. I didn't know he was going to have a heart issue. I thought Christian Westerman could win that right guard spot and be really good things I still believe right now. Um, and not that Trey Hopkins was bad, but he had his ups and downs and injuries. And, of course, other guys in there. Um, we thought if Eifert's healthy, and I, we thought Eifert was going to be until we saw the first couple games and he looked like a shell of himself, uh, we thought John Ross could hit the ground running. We didn't know he wouldn't catch a pass. And we didn't know that the coordinator would get fired after week two. We didn't know Dalton would struggle early in the season the way he did. Um, we didn't know that the offense would be as limited as it was in that transition from, from um, Ken Zampezi to Bill Lazor. And we didn't know Mixon wouldn't be as effective as we expected. I, I think to the eye test, he was. But when you look at most numbers and the analytics, he wasn't, obviously. Uh, but the film, I think, really showed what he can be. So, yeah, we have a lot of those same questions, but also the same hopes. So it's two sides of the same coin. Uh, and I think because we're coming off of two straight four years and seeing that all of those things went wrong last year, none of them really. I mean, look at the offensive side. And what would you say 
you know, I feel better about that guy than I did last year at this time. I don't think there's anybody. I don't, you know, you don't feel better about Tyler Boyd. You don't feel feel better about Andy Dalton, AJ Green, even the best players on the offense. You don't feel better about them. Maybe here's one: Giovanni Bernard. At the time, coming off an ACL, right, mm-hmm. and coming off an injury, we didn't know he'd bounce back the way he did. Showed up that first day of camp. Remember how explosive he looked? No one thought he would take all those reps. That first week, you're like, whoa, he's back. He might be better than he was. And I think Gio is a very good player for this team. But that's it on offense. And on defense, there was a lot of questions. We didn't know if Jarquez Denard would be able to go and, and, and take on a full role the way he did. We were hoping William Jackson could stay healthy at this point. It was like a lot of the same questions we had with John Ross right now. We we're hoping Jackson could play even. And he ended up overtaking that spot as Pac-Man um, wavered and then got injured for the, for the year. But then we didn't know Carl Lawson would explode the way he did. We, we, Jordan Willis was drafted before him. you know, So that could have happened. We thought maybe Andrew Billings, if he – Produces in year two. They know they'll have a really good defensive line. That didn't come. Nick Vigil at linebacker, who I just wrote about, who comes in at number 29, I believe, on the top 50. Um, we didn't know that he would have such a down year. In year two, the flashes he showed, the preseason he had, we thought Nick Vigil might be the answer. He might be the other guy next to Perfect. They might be all right. And that wasn't the case. We didn't know the safeties would take another step back. We'll get back to my conversation with Joe Goodberry of The Athletic in just a second. But first, This episode is sponsored by Core Essentials. That's K-O-R-E. Core Essentials makes the best belt you'll ever own. What makes Core Track Belt so awesome? No belt holes. None. Instead, their belts use a hidden track in the back of the belt with over 40 size points to choose from. Ever wonder why your pants slip and turn in the waistline into a gut? Every day as you work, walk, eat, your waist size fluctuates in and out just a little at a time. The Core Track Belt adjusts to match your waist exactly. Each point on the core track belt is just a quarter inch apart. That simple, small innovation. You get a precise, steady, and comfortable fit every time you put them on. They have sizes that fit everyone from 22 to 44 inches, and they have an XL belt that goes up to 54 inches. inches. You can adjust that size yourself using their easy guide. I've worn these on TV when I've done some TV hits. I've worn them to weddings. I have two core belts myself. I'll speak to them. They're great. They offer a full line of fashion belts, including classic double-stitched with full-grain leather and smooth belts with no stitching, as well as gun belts for concealed carry. They offer a 30-day money-back guarantee and a full one-year warranty against all defects, unusual wear, or breakage. So feel confident when you shop that you know you're covered. But trust me, you're going to love it and want to get rid of all your other belts. I got rid of two of my belts the moment I got my two Core Essential belts. I have a black one, and I have a brown one. Visit coreessentials.com to learn more and get your own Core Track belt to see firsthand why it's the best belt you'll ever own. Seriously, once you go Core Track, you'll never go back. And we've got a special offer just for our listeners. Save 10% off your order when you use our code Locked on. That's L O C K E D O N. Use that at checkout. You'll get 10% off. That's core with a K, coreessentials.com. And use the code Locked on to save 10% off your order. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com 
slash credit card. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. And you're right, Joe, like, it's just, it's tough for me. I, I could see from Joe Mixon to William Jackson to Carl Lawson to even John Ross establishing themselves as some of the best young players in the game. And, and you can obviously argue Jackson and Lawson have certainly done that already. And they could continue to, to do it this year. I see a team full of potential. I see a team that, and Jeff Hobson did this uh, with me, I don't know, probably three months ago. He said, how many... It, probably two months ago, it was after the draft. He was like, how many teams would have a guy like A.J. Green with a franchise quarterback in his prime? Uh, and he just kept going down the list of Dunlap and Atkins and all these different players. And on paper, I look at it, and it's right. Like, this team, they should compete with the Steelers for the division. They should beat the Browns. They should be ahead of the Ravens. And honestly, looking at the wide-open AFC, talent-wise... They should probably make the playoffs, and yet I have huge reservations. I'm very nervous about the idea, and I don't know if it was just me just totally whiffing last year, like I said, or if it's just my brain telling me something that my heart doesn't want to realize, that this team, it's probably going to go 8-8, eight and eight, and the my heart wants it to go 10-6, and six, but my brain's saying, nah, pull it back some. Because it, it yeah. to me, it, it just feels like, it just feels like I'm hard. wrong. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say the brain, the brain is right, probably, yeah. right? Yeah, and probably. You know what your brain is saying? I'm not sure if Andy Dalton is really that good. He may play well. He may produce well, like he did in 2015. But is it going to be better than those best quarterbacks when the time comes in, in crunch time? And then you're going to say, well, is Marvin Lewis going to outcoach any of those guys either? Is he going to outcoach Andy Reid, Phil Belichick, Mike Tomlin even? He has a couple times, but will he when it when you get one chance to do it in the playoffs or, or in Week 17 when they play the Steelers? And I don't feel as confident when I think of that. And I think, well, the defense, yeah, it could be good. It could, it could be an elite defense. But their leader is still Montez Perfect. Whether we like that or not, whether that he's not the best player, whether that could be William Jackson and Geno Atkins this year. It could be. It could have been last year. 
Um, I'd, I'd listen to that argument. It, but yet, perfect is still the heart and soul and mind, I think, of the defense. So now he's suspended again. And we've seen when he's come back from suspension, it takes him a while for to roll into shape. Um, so, yeah, all those things the brain is saying, is, you know, that exact formula has failed them numerous times. Yeah, they've had success, but I'm talking in the crunch time or in the big games or in potentially the playoffs. Um, it has failed them every time. And you, I think the brain is right on that. Until proven otherwise, your brain is, is it's the science part of it. It's, it's not, I believe, it's, I've seen this happen numerous times. Um, until I'm proven otherwise, until my eyes see it, it's, how do you feel, how do you honestly feel a different way? You, you may call those fans negative, and people will, but I think there's some truth to it that, you know, until I'm proven, I don't believe this team is going to get over the hump. I don't believe they can get pushed to that next level. But my heart says they've got enough talent to compete with that 2015 team that could have could have made a run. They could have made a run. And I think the, the people that are led by their heart for Bengals fans would say they were going to win the Super Bowl that year if Andy Dalton didn't get hurt. And I would say, well, my brain would go, well, you know, I, we still haven't seen him do that and Marvin Lewis do that, you know, beat a team in the playoffs, and uh, let alone three teams in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I, I stopped short of, of saying that. But I, I do think you're right about the two sides. And um, that's the fun in it, I guess. But that's also the, the, the scary part of it. Yeah, it's the scary part of it. And I, to me, it's... It's one of those things where, and you mentioned Andy Dalton, and I know what Andy is. Like I'm, people rip me for it. Uh, it's, it's just what the reality is. Is Andy Dalton's okay? He's not really good. He's not really bad. He's not going to make your offensive line hide your offensive line's issues. He's not going to make Josh Malone or Tyler Boyd or John Ross better than they are at that moment. Um, you know, last year, and it, it, that's just the reality of it. He's not going to rise above a poor offensive coordinator, a shaky offensive line, or honestly, an inconsistent AJ Green at times last year. It's just not Andy. It's not what he's going to do. But what I find interesting about this year, and I know we've talked about it some, Andy's vital to this team's success because they have no one behind him. So for the first time in a while, let's say Andy struggles week one. And we come in here and I call you and we do our film review and I'm all over Andy and you back it up with what you've seen on film. Not that Marvin ever would have went to a backup anyway, but there's no one to go to. If Andy yeah. struggles, there is no fail safe. Joe Goodberry might as well be the backup quarterback because Andy Dalton's going to be in there forever. <laughs> I throw a mean spiral, James. <laughs> I can throw a football over the mountains. If Coach yeah, oh, here we go. Here we go. The <laughs> Uncle Rico. <laughs> You're right, though. And it's not just that. It's it's. There's no one behind him. He's vital because he's the quarterback, right? I mean, obviously, that's the, that's the easy thing to say, but eh, I still struggle a lot of times. And I've had conversations with, like, Andrew Hawkins on Twitter where I, I feel like Andrew Hawkins really likes Andy Dalton. He does. And, Right, and wouldn't you if you had a turkey sandwich every day? And turkey sandwiches are fine, right? I like turkeys. I had one today at work. Um, but then you go to the Browns and you're eating just bread. And you're like, you know what? That turkey sandwich was really good. I wish I had some turkey. And that's the best quarterback I ever played with in my career. I think I would like Andy Dalton also. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, I think for us, seeing how good these rosters have been, how good the coaching staff has been, and maybe outside of Marvin Lewis, I still – 
you know, have reservations about him as a head coach. But the coaching staff has been really fleshed out and good. I mean, there's head coaches all around. They, they've all moved on and, and, and done well for the most part. Um, you have to say that a lot of times the quarterback has held them back and, and in big moments. Um, and we can cite them and, or just we will go over them as they happen in real, real time, and that's even fun too. But point being, I don't ever feel like they will win with the combination of Mike Brown, Marvin Lewis, and Andy Dalton. And I think it's because they're limited in their resources for Mike Brown and, and in terms of free agency and, and, and spending and attracting outside free agents and talent. Um, and even though they have brought in guys and they made a trade this year for Cordy Glenn, all that good stuff, I still think one of the reasons Marvin Lewis is still here is because Mike Brown is committed to him and probably – feels he can't get somebody better to come in here and coach this team under this franchise, under their rules and how they do it. Um, and then I think Mike Brown, is, I mean, Marvin Lewis is limited in how he coaches and maybe some, how, how dated he thinks at times by some of the things he says. And then I think Andy Dalton is limited in terms of um, athletic ability, talents, arm strength and accuracy. And oh man, I don't want to list everything because it's not that bad. What I mean is he's, he's limited as a, as a football player and as a quarterback physically more than he is mentally, obviously. So th- that combination, one of them's got to give him over the hump, right? And, it's, and I'm looking squarely at Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton. If I were to say, which one of those guys, James, or do you feel more confident in getting this team over the hump, carrying this team, and you're like, man, what a coaching performance by Marvin in that playoff game. Or Andy Dalton, what a performance by Andy Dalton in that playoff game. Which one do you feel more confident in? Oh, oh my gosh. Um, not Andy. Look, I, I hate to say this, but like I, Andy's the one who's got to make the plays, ultimately. I think Marvin Lewis's 0-7 playoff record, part of that is just uh, bad circumstances. So I would say I'd have more confidence in Marvin, but I wouldn't be confident in either one. No, I think they're both are low, definitely, for this, for this franchise. And that's part of why we stopped short. Who would you take? Who would you take? You, you can't do that and not give me Ooh. an answer. It's tough. I, honestly, the whole team feeds off Marvin. You know, I, I there's so many times where the energy and, and look at every playoff game, how the rosters and coaching staffs and even quarterbacks have changed, and they all kind of have the same feeling of as soon as something bad happens, it's, uh-oh, here we go again, and they lose it. Or they can't, come, they can't overcome the adversity that strikes and is going to strike when you play a good team. It doesn't even have to be playoff games. It can be good teams they're playing against, and, we know the record in prime time and against good opponents. It's not very good. Hey, yeah, they've won them. We can pick like the Seahawks, the Patriots, beating those teams. Those are great wins, but they don't happen often enough. And to say that they would do it three times in a row, I think a lot of it comes from Marvin. And I think a lot of the the lack of playmaking and lack of you know guys taking over the game and just winning a playoff game, because sometimes you need that. Marvin Jones almost did it versus the Chargers, I think. Leon Hall almost did versus the Texans. Um, Bontez Burkett almost did versus the Steelers. You need those guys, and those are really good players. And um, I think there's a reason why sometimes A.J. Green doesn't play above his ability. We know what his ability is. It's sky high. It, you know, why doesn't Geno Atkins show up for a whole half sometimes and win other games he does? So I, I put more on the coaching, and I, I would do actually really? do feel a little bit more confident that Dalton under, let's say, Sean Payton in a dome I would say, like, yeah, I think he could produce at least for one or two games at an extremely high level to get them 
deeper into the playoffs. I do think that could happen. I don't think they have a Q, QB guru like that on the roster. I think if it was Andy Reid, I think there's a chance you could do it. And, and you know, I think there's a, if it was if he was on the Eagles last year, Nick Foles. You had Andy Dalton there instead. Now Nick Foles was calm, cool, man, collected. And we haven't seen Dalton exactly be that. Um, he looks like he gets rattled pretty quickly. But you know, talent-wise, and maybe Foles was cool because of that that team and that psyche and that offense and the way they were rolling. Um, and maybe Dalton would feel the same way. I thought he, I thought he displayed a lot of that with Hugh Jackson. So yeah, I think there's a chance he could do it. I think the combination is really what's what has sunk the two of them. Yeah. See, I get what you're saying, and we're going to be going in circles here. But I do want to mention this. Like, I also think that Peyton Manning could win playoff games with Marvin Lewis. I was going to say that. You know, like like if you flip it the other way, in the the, yep. the problem is, and I guess it stems back to to Mike Brown is yes, he does want to win. I believe that, but he's also comfortable with those two in place and those two together are just good enough. And that's why I almost want to pick the Bengals to make the playoffs this year is because I know Marvin can get them there. I know Andy can get them there. They've done it. So why would I pick against that when the roster is better than it's been since 2015? Yeah. So to me, yeah, it's just this you, – you almost go in circles and circles, and you hope to strike gold almost as a Bengals fan. You hope everything just roster-wise, health-wise, um, communication-wise, fit-wise just hits perfectly. And if so, then maybe we can be talking about a playoff run and maybe more. Other than that, it's not happening. They built a volatile team, right? They built such a – you know, unreliable roster in terms of like think of perfect and um, the play style of like Drake Kirkpatrick because he can be a penalty at any point, but he's made a lot of big plays. Think of like um, um, on offense, just with injuries with Eifer and Ross and Cordy Glenn and Joe Mixon, and uh, you know he can be a, a hit or miss at, at times. I think on the field, but um, I am talking somewhat of his character. That anything could happen there. It's only we're only a year removed from questioning everything about him, even though we've we've liked him over the past year. Point being, this could be a very very explosive team in a good way. It can also be, as we saw last year, when everything doesn't hit, a very bad team. So I think aiming for every all the chips to fall is such a low percentage chance that chance that it's going to happen. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I totally, and and that's. That's why we always come back to what should they have done, and, and we, we talked about right. quarterbacks and all that. And we will talk, I promise you, regardless, and fans will probably hate this, but regardless of how Andy plays this off this year, I'm going to be talking about quarterbacks for the draft. Like, that's well, just. Be a year older and a year, what, only one year left in his deal after this? Yeah. Yeah. It, so, it, well, yeah. Well, no, he'll have three. He has three right now. So he'll have two. Okay, so it'll be two after. He's that. signed through 2020. But yeah, that's the right. And if they do bad. If they do bad, I think, and let's talk about that for a second, because I've talked about A.J. Green some, and he will be on the final year of his deal in, in, after this season. He's got two years left. Okay. Let's say the Bengals are bad. Let's say they're 5-11. and 11. I'm not sure Mike Brown would keep Marvin Lewis around again. And I know that sounds insane, but like this is kind of the – Mike Brown probably looks at it and says, look, I got you the linebacker you needed in Preston Brown. I signed a defensive tackle for you to kind of shore up – the defensive line next to Geno Atkins. We've drafted defensive linemen, so that weakness is short up some. We've traded and paid Cordy Glenn to play left tackle for the next three years, $30 million committed to him. I'm trying to work with you, Marvin, and you're not delivering. I could see a scenario, and it might not be likely, but a scenario where the Bengals fall on their face, let's say 4-12, four, 5-11. Four 
where Marvin's gone. And then maybe the new coach or maybe before that, they decide to ship Andy out. They decide, ah, A.J. Green, we might need to get something for him now because we're not going to re-sign a 31, 32-year-old A.J. Green after 2019. I could see a scenario where this gets blown up really quick if things go really bad this year. I really could. You're not crazy. I'm not going to call you crazy for that. Uh, I think logically, if you're using your brain prior to your fandom now, um, you would say, yeah, the clock is ticking. They're probably on borrowed time right now, especially for Marvin, you know, two years in a row. Uh, and he's been here forever. So while it seems like he's bargaining in, in a time loop with, with Mike Brown every offseason, I I do feel like there is an end to this. There, You know, eventually he will be separated from this franchise in, in some way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that means he walks away or gets fired. Um, but... Yes, so I, I do think that's very plausible. And I think we talked about it last year during just before the Chicago game when we thought Marvin was gone. Remember those reports and those those 48 hours? Um, and we thought, you know, this new coach may bring in his own guys and may, may want his own quarterback, and it depends on who you pick. Is it an offensive guy that thinks he can work with Dalton or is it an offensive guy that wants his own quarterback, which happens a lot in the NFL. So, yeah, it, that could definitely happen. I Just the thought of A.J. Green being moved – I mean, my heart skipped a beat, I think, a little bit. You know, I, I, and the, I, the crazy thing is, Joe, I don't mean to cut you off. I think that's the most likely of the three because let's say they go 5-11 and 11 or 4-12 or and 12 and Andy gets hurt. Let's say Andy gets hurt, and that's the reason why. Well, obviously the, the franchise would bring Andy back because its quarterback got hurt, and they think he's healthy, blah, blah, blah. Marvin Lewis gets a pass almost because Andy was hurt, and that's why. A.J. Green doesn't have time to waste anymore. Uh, he's from Atlanta. He's watched Julio Jones get to a Super Bowl. He's watching all of these teams, his former teammates, when Mohamed Sanu's been, played in a Super Bowl with Atlanta. Like, to me, I think that if A.J. Green, like if they struggle again this year, A.J. Green might say, hey, Mike, get me out of here. Let's do this cordially. I, I just, I don't want to play her anymore. Get me somewhere else. I'm not going to resign with you. Send me elsewhere. And and it could be a Carson situation. I could, I could see that. I think that's the most likely of the three that A.J. Green isn't a Bengal in 2019. Especially if you make him catch passes from Matt Barkley for like six to eight games. To oh, man. In your scenario. <laughs> he, oh. he, might just, he might just explode. You know, he showed more emotion last year and frustration, I think, in yep. outbursts. No doubt. Then I think he has his entire career with the Bengals. So, yeah, I could see that. And I think there was times people even, like, looked at each other last year during some of them, like, man, he's he's frustrated, isn't he? Is this, are we getting close to the end with him? Um you know, people thought, you know, or at least questioned it at the time. So, yeah, I. That's, it sounds terrible, though. <laughs> you know, I, I can swallow the scenario where it's a fresh slate and everyone starts over at all the important positions, right? The idea of the scenario you put out there where coach and quarterback are back but A.J. Green's gone is jarring, to say the least. Yeah, it's a nightmare. It is. Uh, and it's it's one of those things where, I could see it. And at the same time, I could also see him after this year having a 1,500-yard season, having oh, yeah. one of the best years he's had. The team goes 10-6, and six and he signs an extension with the team after this year. I could see it go a bunch of different ways, but I think that's the difference. Like, that's what this season means. It's going to send the, the organization into one direction or another direction, and uh, that's why it's so intriguing to me. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. Joe, I have one more question and it's one that I'm sure you knew I was going to ask you before training camp starts here. Before training camp, and obviously I'll get a a pre 
regular season prediction from you as well. But if you had to guess how this team would do record-wise in 2018, based on what you know, the roster, et cetera, before training camp, before you get a look at any of these players, what uh, what would your guess be? I think they can be very good. And when I look at the schedule, um, you know, you factor that in, and you factor strength of schedule and the opponents, quality of opponents, even though that changes year to year, it does have some bearing on on how a team can improve or feel worse the following year, even despite being better, maybe better in a few positions. We're starting off with like the Colts, Ravens, Panthers. I say that those are winnable games for the Bengals. Mm-hmm. I think you would agree. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're three and zero, two and one after that. I think you could definitely beat the Colts in Andrew Luck's first game in forever. Um, Ravens are beatable all the time. Even though I think they have a really good defense, I think that offense sucks. It's probably the worst in the division. I'd rather have the Browns' offense. Um, and then the Panthers, extremely inconsistent up and down. I think that's a winnable game and maybe the best team of the first three. Afterwards, things get murky and it starts to get shaken up. The Falcons are a good team. Steelers are a good team. I think Dolphins are a mixed bag, but I think the Bengals could definitely beat the Dolphins. Um, Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, I really like them, and I think they could be the AFC sleeper of, of a team that you know really takes the next step with the next quarterback. And I love the Chiefs and the way the Chiefs did the quarterback position because I think there's a lot of parallels with where the Bengals sit and with Andy Dalton. And, oh, yeah. I, and I, so how they did it and what, the way they did it, I think is blueprint for us moving forward if we ever get in that situation again. Um, and then you got the Bucks, Saints, Ravens again. Are any of those teams really stand out good? I think the Saints could beat you because they can put up numbers, but the Bengals have always handled the Saints of fields in recent years. Um, so, yeah, I, and that's at home. I, I think the Bengals have a good chance there. Just looking at the schedule, those Browns, Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, Browns, and then Steelers again, there's no reason why, other than building such a volatile offense and team, um, that this team doesn't win 10 games. Uh, honestly, if they could all get injured and no one takes that step forward, this team wins six games again. And I think that's the theme of everything we talked about today, is just not knowing what that next step is. It seems like we're walking in the dark yep. ever since they brought back Marvin Lewis. Is Okay, well, are we rebuilding? Or are we are we gunning for this thing after you trade for Cordy Glenn? Or are the Bengals, you know, looking to the future? Oh, they don't draft a quarterback. Everyone else does in the division. And then it's, well, okay, well, they, do they recognize they need um, John Ross to be that guy? Or do they really like LaFell because he's a great locker room guy? And then <laughs> in camp when he's playing, you're like, oh, they are relying on, on Ross uh, a little bit. So, you know, maybe they do recognize it. And then they, they talk about how Joe Mixon looks and how they're ready to, re- to lean on him. And you're like, okay, so maybe they do understand. Um, I don't know. You know, we don't know what that next step is. But I, I, do, I would say the heart says 10 and 6, the head says 8 and 8, because there's enough reasons to say, these guys aren't going to stay healthy for 16 games. The majority of them, of the guys we've talked about, won't. There'll be, still be issues at quarterback and head coach. There'll still be issues on the offensive line. Look at like pro football focus. I think they ranked them 28th offensive line last year. Mm-hmm. They're ranked 26th this year. And even though they got two new starters, and we feel good about the offensive line, or at least better, um, we're starving fan, fan base that's getting a cracker here. We think now we got a good offensive line, or at least better. It may not be enough to, to really change this offense. So if that's the case, this team is at best 8-8. Eight eight. So I go, I'm in that range, and I'm with you, and I'm, I think we're with a lot of fans that feel the same way. Yeah, it's tough, and who knows? Who knows? I just hope – here's what I hope, Joe, that they're not painful to watch on offense for the majority of their games. Like, yeah. if you're I mean, going yeah. to lose, like, like that's fine. But be at least entertaining to watch. There was so many times, even in wins, the Colts win last year was just so painful. Did they Make beat the, the Bills last year? again. 
Like, I think that was a painful win, too. What would you say? Make the Bengals fun again. Yes, make them fun again. And they draft, like, that's the thing is, like, now, say what you want. People ripped the draft two years ago. And, and, and I'll let you go with this. You've been great with your time. But th- they they drafted the the toys, right? The flashy wide receiver who had 18 touchdowns, 17 or 18 touchdowns for Washington. And Joe Mixon, who's just a stud. He's Le'Veon Bell, you know, the Le'Veon Bell 2.0 or Le'Veon Bell Jr., whatever you want to call him. And then this year they get linemen and defensive players and load up that way. And it's the opposite. It's not flashy. It's the exact – it's boring. But it's what they needed, right? So the past two drafts have been a good balance. Now it needs to equate, and I need to see it. So worst case, I want a team that scores a lot of points and hits the quarterback even if they lose 10 times. I think that's fair to ask for. I'm with you completely. Like I'm thinking of some bad teams for the Bengals, and you know I think of like that Fitzpatrick offense and what was that, 08? That was so dreadful to watch. And then at the probably next to that, in terms of, man, I can't watch this team, was last year's offense. And really the last two years is in that bottom three of Marvin Lewis' seasons. Go back to Carson Palmer post-05 to, you know, 05, 06 and 07, I mean. Those were fun teams and fun offenses and a couple missed kicks and bad snaps and things like that and, and a porous defense that gave up big plays but created turnovers. Um, those are fun teams, even though they didn't make the playoffs. I just want the team to be exciting, fun, fast, score, make big plays, celebrate in the end zone. I feel like every team was celebrating last year and Bengals didn't get to participate in that. So, yes, I'm with you. Let's make them fun at the very least. Yeah, at the very least. He's Joe Goodberry. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Really good stuff from Joe uh, on a weekly basis at The Athletic. It's worth the subscription alone. Joe, I appreciate the time as always. I think, based on what you've told me, and I don't want to tease too much, that you're going to be here in town for training camp. If so, uh, we got to do something in studio. That would be a lot of fun. We could do something in studio. That would be great. So, uh, yeah, I'd lo- I would love to do that. We'll, we'll have to plan that. We can do worst case. Like if we can't do it during the, the radio show, we can do a locked on Bengals podcast in person. How about that? That'd be cool too. He's Joe Goodberry. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. I appreciate the time, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, James. Good stuff there from Joe Goodberry. We will get in tomorrow to all things AFC North. We'll start with the Ravens, then we'll move to the Steelers, and then we'll finish with the Cleveland Browns on Friday. I appreciate you guys for listening. Make sure you follow on Twitter at James Rapine, at LockedOnBengals. Check out LockedOnBengals.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Do me a favor. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. Tell one of your fellow Bengals fans, friends, hey, heck, they don't even need to be your friend, but tell them about the Locked on Bengals podcast. And get your predictions in for the 2018 Bengals. These are your pre-training camp predictions. want to get those in. We'll do that, a podcast on that next week. Thank you so much for listening. Until tomorrow, I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 